Welcome, friends, to Crazy Women Country, where women's voices matter. We bring you the greatest female voices in the music industry, from the artists, songwriters, and producers, to managers and executives, and all the women who make the music industry what it is today. Thank you for joining us. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Crazy Women Country. I'm Donna, and today I'm here with Rachel McIntyre-Smith. How are you doing? I'm doing so good, and I'm really excited to talk with you today. Wow, I'm so excited to have you on. I know it's been a while. Mm-hmm. So, so we always start off with the hardest question ever. Who is Rachel McIntyre-Smith? <laughs> Coming in hot right off the bat. Um, Well, I am Rachel McIntyre-Smith. I'm a country Americana singer-songwriter born in Oliver Springs, Tennessee. Now I'm based out of Chattanooga, Tennessee, so East Tennessee for anybody outside of the Tennessee area that isn't familiar with that. Um, I started playing piano whenever I was in third grade just to one-up a classroom rival and ended up discovering my huge passion for playing music. And my mother is an English teacher, so from a very young age, she had me writing poetry and short stories to enter into contests, so whenever I started doing music, it was just sort of like the perfect blend to start doing songwriting as well, and so that's how I got um, into songwriting and into doing music, and whenever I went went into college, I fell in love with Casey Musgrave's pageant material album and really Help, it really helped me realize how I could channel a lot of my upbringing in a small town and add in some funniness, but also add in some real life wisdom and blend it together into country music. And so that's how I got started in country music. And I just have been playing country music for the past five, six years now. And um, before the pandemic, I had a concert tour of cat cafes to raise money for feline rescue. And, um, I got to open for some cool people. I've opened for Caleb Lee Hutchinson, um, Larry Fleet, Paul Thorne, Leroy Parnell. And then I have some fun shows coming up where I'll be opening for the Steel Wheels and Alex Williams. Um, and so, yeah, just, just a lot of, a lot of good stuff and really, really enjoy doing it. It's, it's always what I wanted to do. And so I'm, I'm happy that I took the leap and I'm actually going for it. Wonderful. And that is such a cool story of how you got started in music. Like there was really not an interest in it all of a sudden, bam, that just, that's really cool too. Well, I, so my mom and my dad both played piano, um, but that alone wasn't enough to break through my bashfulness because I was an incredibly bashful child and the thought of getting up on stage and performing terrified me but in another part of my life I was very competitive in school I was always that kid that was trying to get the top grade always answering all the teachers questions and the girl who really competed with me to go back and forth of getting the highest grade winning the awards she started taking piano lessons and I was like okay if I'm going to ultimately like reign superior of third grade I got to go sign up for piano lessons and I did and um, ended up loving it. And so that's, that's kind of how it all got started. 
That's so cool. It really is. It's definitely unique. So speaking of music in the last five years, you've had some great releases. Now, I know your most recent was a re-release of High School Reunion. You want to tell everyone about that song and kind of what that means to you? Absolutely. So High School Reunion, the studio version, is my debut single. I released that in the fall of 2020. And I wrote that whenever I moved home with my parents at the start of the pandemic. And I just had this wave hit me of... Oh, like when I was in high school, I thought that by this point in my life, I'd be rich. I'd be famous. I'd be doing all this stuff. And now I'm back at home in the same twin bed that I was when I was in high school. And in just a few years, I was going to have to start planning my high school reunion. Um, In my high school, if you were a class president, when you were a senior, you have to plan every single high school reunion for the rest of your life. So um, I have to do that. (laughs) And (laughs) congratulations. Oh, thank you. Uh, it's such an honor. <laughs> I uh, So it all just hit me when I moved home and I wrote, so that's how I started writing High School Reunion. And it started out as a very sad song. And then it all just hit me of, you know what? I bet a lot of other people have felt this way too. So why don't we twist this, realize we can keep on going for what we want. Um, and if it doesn't work out, we've got each other. And so I planned that for my debut single and I was really worried about how it was going to be received because it was my debut single. It was happening in the middle of the pandemic. I couldn't go out to play shows to perform it um, and promote it normally. Um, And so I was really worried about it, but then just in like the first few weeks, it had over 25,000 streams, 30,000 streams. um, And I put out a call to my audience and asked them to send in their high school photos from their yearbook to me. And I created a lyric video that looked like you were flipping through a high school yearbook. And that was just so cool. I had over 80 people send me their photos for that. And as I was approaching the year anniversary of that release, I just felt like it was such a moment where I felt grateful for the community that I had built and the way that they rallied around me and my music that I just wanted to honor that in some way. So I played this high school reunion live performance version. We did a video. I released a song out on Spotify and Apple music as sort of like the musical thank you for the past year of supporting my music. Wonderful. Great that you've released the the acoustic version because I mean, I'm, I'm the type I love, love to hear both versions. Like I love the studio. I love acoustics. It's so great to see that. And because obviously if you were doing just a little show, just do it, that's what they would get, the audience would get. And it's so cool to have that connection. So thank you. Now I'm going to go back because I really loved, now obviously I love those lyrics, but I love the lyrics in Blue Hawaii. And as an Elvis fan and growing up in a household that had Elvis, like it's that time of the year, we're Christmassy. uh, We had all Elvis albums and all like, you know, Alabama. So, so the Blue Hawaii theme kind of like threw me like, oh, this ought to be interesting. So I do love, I love that song, by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm a big Elvis fan. Love Elvis. Um, Grew up watching his movies, listening to his music. And a lot of that like aesthetic that he came from that time period has really inspired my music. Um, That song was actually inspired by the drink Blue Hawaiian um, and not the Elvis movie. But a lot of that Elvis-esque like 1950s, 1960s vibe. found its way into the song and so that it's just such a fun song to play and perform and you know 
I, I guess I'm lame, but I'm still laughing at my own jokes that I wrote in it. So it's anytime I perform it, I'm like stifling back laughter. <laughs> I was, I was definitely laughing a lot because like, that's a really good line. I'm like, I like that a lot. Oh, thank you. Thank so. you. I, I wrote it after um, a night out where this guy that I liked sort of swerved me for another girl. And that night in particular, I had been sipping on a blue Hawaiian while this whole incident was happening. And so the next morning I was talking to my friend and I just like offhandedly threw out the idea, you know, since, since that all happened, like, and I was, while I was drinking a blue Hawaiian, I should just write a Hawaiian beach theme song called blue Hawaii and just figure out all the ways to like roast him essentially. Um, and I spent the whole day writing it. And by the end of the day, I wasn't even upset with that guy anymore because it was just so much fun writing the song. <laughs> so I have like no ill will towards him whatsoever. Um, because I got that song out of it. Oh, that was wonderful. I love it. It's so great that uh, I love when everyone uses their personal experiences to write songs and they have really good stories like that behind it. So thank (laughs) Thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you. Yeah. All of my songs are based off of at least a nugget of truth. You know, you got to add some flair. You got to amp it up to make a good story for a song, but it's all at least based on some sort of truth. Absolutely. So who are some of the women that have inspired you to do music? Obviously, besides the competition in third grade. Who are some of the people that uh, you really are like, yes, I want to be awesome like that. Uh, I know you mentioned Casey Musgraves earlier. Mm -hmm. I think that my four main musical inspirations um, are Carole King, Linda Ronstadt, Casey Musgraves, and Taylor Swift. I feel like those four women really taught me different lessons about the music industry and how I wanted my music to sound and um, a lot about songwriting. So if, if I hadn't listened to those four women, I have no idea what my music would be sounding like, or if I would even be making music because they, they're just all so inspiring in different ways. Absolutely. Great choices. So are you ready for the fun? It's only 20 question segment right now. Okay. Go for it. Okay. There's no right or wrong answer. Well, I say there's no right or wrong answers, but there could be, you never know. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What was the last thing that you read? I'm currently reading um, the Harry Potter series in Spanish. So I'm on the Deathly Hollows. Um, I'm reading that right now, the Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows, but in Spanish. So do you find that like, no, I, I'm not, obviously not total bilingual or anything like that. I try to like pick up some stuff, but do you find a huge difference in, in English to Spanish or do you think like predominantly the translation seems to be good? The translation is really on point. Um, there, there are a few things that like, you know, crack me up here and there. Um, but you know, since it's such a, like the biggest franchise in the world, I think that they really made sure that people in any language could get the same story, um, and fall in love with the same characters in the same way. So I've had that issue with some of less popular books, reading them and the translations between English and Spanish and, so they're, you know, those have funnier differences, but I think that they took so much time to translate Spanish one so that it was like right on, right on the money. Perfect. So hypothetically, if I need to hide a dead body, do you know a good place? 
Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm from a very small town. There's a lot of mountains around. And also I grew up reading like Nancy Drew and watching all sorts of mystery shows. So I could definitely show you a place or two. <laughs> okay. So we won't get caught also. Good. <laughs> well, what's the best concert you've been to? Oh my goodness. That is so difficult. I went to see Paul McCartney in 2014 um, at Bridgestone in Nashville. And that was just incredible because, you know, he's, he's not a spring chicken, but he was out there playing. Didn't even stop to like take a break, like do a costume change or like do anything. He was so high energy the whole time. And his voice was still so great. And he was telling stories in between and it was just a really moving thing. And a lot of the times it was just him on his guitar or him on the piano. And he was captivating all the people in the room and that it just blew me away. The, the star power that he has, the voice that he has, just he's legendary. He is. You know, have you seen the, I believe uh, it is on Disney plus they have uh, the, there's something on the Beatles. I'm planning on watching that soon. I have not gotten a chance to watch it yet, but that's definitely queued up. Wonderful. Wonderful. We'll have to talk after you watch that and we'll both talk about it live <laughs> and give yeah. our opinions and stuff. So what would you do? What's the first thing you would do after you won the lottery? Oh my goodness. You know, what would I do? <laughs> I would probably, so this, this sounds like an answer that is not actually true, but I have thought about this. Like if I happened into some large sum of money, whenever I was in college, I would spend every summer living with a missionary in Nicaragua and I would teach music lessons during the summer and they do a really good house building program where they can build a house for a family out of in 5,000 with $5,000 they can build a whole house from the ground up and so um, the people in the area that they work in um, live in like tents with like sticks and just like tarps over them and so I would definitely send a lot of money that way so that they could build some more houses for those people down there. I know that that sounds like a, oh, you know, whatever. Um, I would definitely buy some like shoes and earrings and a lot of things for myself as well, but a large chunk of it would go there. I love that. I, I think that's essential that everyone has housing at least and, you know, basic necessities. <laughs> Do you ever speak in song lyrics? All the time, all the time. I can't help it. And sometimes it drives my friends crazy, but I can't help it. Well, if you could add someone to Mount Rushmore, who would you add and why? Okay. I, I think that I would add Dolly Parton. Um, and I think that we could get some actual like bipartisan support about this. Like if someone throws it out there, she may, she may be up on Mount Rushmore. It cracks me up like a, how they keep on putting bills up in the Tennessee house about like different Dolly Parton things. And they always pass like with flying colors. <laughs> um, so yeah, I feel like Dolly Parton has done so much um, not only in music, but to help the people and um, her community back in East Tennessee. Um, so yeah, Dolly Parton needs to be up there. I agree. I agree. What's your game plan for zombie apocalypse? 
Oh gosh. Well, once again, I would go straight to, I feel like the game plan for a zombie apocalypse is also <laughs> kind of like, what did you do on March 13th of 2020? <laughs> like, right? like, <laughs> like we had no idea what was happening, but everybody yeah. just went somewhere and did something to plan for whatever was about to happen. And so, um, what I did on March 13th of 2020 um, and what I would do in a zombie apocalypse is go back to my parents' house in Oliver Springs, Tennessee um, and hunker down there. My mom is, <laughs> because of the pandemic, my mom has turned into a bit of a survivalist. So um, they have a big greenhouse. They have all these, um, they have all of this like green beans and corn and all this stuff growing out there. And also, there's a shotgun if we need to shoot some deer to get some meat out there. It's, it's out in the middle of nowhere. So I feel like it'd be pretty, it'd be a long time before a zombie wandered out there. So I think that that's where I would go. And that's where I went on March 13th, 2020 and hunkered down for the pandemic too. Well, I might have to go just because, uh, you know, in Florida here, there's very, they have growing areas and stuff, but mostly you have lots of sand. So if you don't build up the dirt, there's, you're not growing some things here. So yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. So I'm coming with you if I can. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely (laughs) what album or artist should we listen to before we die what would you recommend for everyone oh my goodness um I've already mentioned pageant material by Casey Musgraves I'm going to mention another one Tapestry by Carol King Mm -hmm. um so good so many classics um not only is it a master class in songwriting but it's just so relatable and real and it's it's one of my favorite albums of all time it's a brilliant album so if y'all haven't after the interview's over you can go listen to it mm-hmm. <laughs> who would play you in a movie about your life oh gosh <laughs> <laughs> that is a difficult question um I guess it would would it be I feel like maybe Debbie Ryan could do a pretty solid job um who else I'm gonna I I guess I'll settle with Debbie Ryan I think that I think she could do a pretty good job um and she's got like the the dark eyebrow big cheek thing going on so I think that they could make her look (laughs) passingly like me oh absolutely so there's a very prolific question I have to ask where's Waldo I have no idea if you figure out let me know (laughs) oh would you rather cook or order in um I used to say order in um but I have been cooking a lot recently and I I really like it um, in addition to cooking, I'm also really obsessed with baking. Right before this, I just put some cookie dough in to chill in my fridge. Um, it's turned into one of my things I do whenever I open shows. Um, I bake cookies to thank the opening act for letting me open for them. So um, I'm opening a show tomorrow night. And so I, I pop some cookies in there and I'm going to make some Christmas cookies for the band. <laughs> That's so awesome. Thank you. I love that. I, I absolutely love that. That's one of the coolest things. I think we need to start a trend on that. Oh, thank you. What TV show would you be a member of? Oh my gosh. I 
I'm obsessed with TV shows and com- TV comedies in general. Um, in my living room that I'm looking at right now, I've got like my six top shows um, over there. I would say that if I could be in a TV show, I would want to move into the loft in New Girl um, and be like Zoe Deschanel's friend or Zoe Deschanel's sister or something in, in that world. Like cool theories. Boots or heels? I like boots with heels. That's my that's my uh, go-to shoe whenever I play on stage. I usually have on some uh, white boots. So what's the best thing since sliced bread? Hmm. Betty White. <laughs> I'm a big Golden Girls fan. Betty White was... Was Betty White <laughs> born before sliced bread? I, I think technically she was. Oh, no. Okay, then Dolly Parton's the best thing since I, sliced bread. I think she was born after. I'm not sure. I want to. There was something we were debating. We couldn't remember who it was. It was Dolly Parton or there was another singer that was born before sliced bread. So we'll just go with both of those ladies. They are the okay. best things since sliced bread. <laughs> okay. Because they made a sandwich. Technically, it wasn't sliced, but it was broken apart, right? So yeah, we, we could we could debate that. At least I would. So, um, what's your guilty pleasure music? The music that no one else knows you really listen to that you had jam out to all the time. Um, so I just got my Spotify rap today, and one of my top genres is adult standards. Um, and I think as like a country artist, a lot of people wouldn't think that I listen to like the crooners but I am a huge fan of Elvis, Bing Crosby, Dean Martin, like not just around Christmas, um, all times a year. Wonderful. Wonderful. So did you uh, listen to, or have you bought the new album with uh, Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga? Yes, I mm. listened to it. I love it. And it's so incredible that document, like that little piece they did on 60 Minutes about him, how the like when the music started, it was just him again, which I think speaks to like the power that music has on your memory and on your brain. Um, yeah, that was just incredible. And his voice still sounds so good. And the two of them together are amazing. What's the worst pizza topping? Anchovies. If you could be any person for a day, who would you be and why? And not necessarily another person named like Dolly Parton. Like I probably want to be Dolly Parton for the day just to, you know, that'd be just cool for me. But, or maybe another, um, you know, maybe a CEO or, you know, some other profession. Um, If I could be one person for a day, I think, um, so I recently saw uh, Lucas Nelson in concert, and I think that I would want to be Lucas Nelson for a day because he's not only an incredible musician, he's got his own following, makes his own incredible music, but Willie's his dad. So like, I would get to be Willie's kid for a day and talk <laughs> to Willie and also be a huge musician. So yeah, if I could be someone for a day, it'd be Lucas Nelson. <laughs> That'd be cool. Definitely cool. So if we had a song. What is our song? Uh, Die Fun, Casey Musgraves. <laughs> yeah. Perfect song. At what age did you become an adult? I don't think that I've become one yet. 
maybe next year I'm 24 right now so maybe when I hit like you know 25 that nice like quarter of a century maybe it'll suddenly come to me (laughs) beautiful if you could win an Olympic medal for any sport real or fake what would it be um, I think that I could win an Olympic medal for power walking. Have you ever seen like the speed walk in the Olympics where they're, yeah, they're like walking like so fast. It looks ridiculous. Um, I think that I could win that because I, I am a big power walker, not like for exercise, but whenever I'm going from one place to another, I don't like to run and I like to get there as fast as possible. So whenever I'm at work, whenever I'm like behind stage at a show or something, I'm like power walking, like people better watch out. So I could, I could get a, I think I could get a gold medal in that. Oh, wonderful. That's that's a cool thing for a gold medal. Absolutely. So are you excited for the winter Olympics? Yes. I, (laughs) I love watching the Olympics. I, I think that they're, so entertaining and like the ice skating is incredible and the outfits that the ice skaters wear um yeah love it <laughs> but that's my favorite I, I love I love I love all of it but I will say winter's probably my favorite from skiing snowboarding all of it yeah like mm-hmm. I can't get enough of the winter olympics so yeah anyway. I am a big uh, I'm a big skier our family loves to go skiing and um <laughs> This is, this is random, but one time I was, we were skiing, um, and I was on the ski lift with my dad and like this one other, uh, guy who was like a professional, he said he was a professional snowboarder. Anyways, we got to the top of the mountain and the so-called professional snowboarder falls off right, like where you're supposed to ski off of the lift. And so the snowboarder went down and then my dad got off the lift. And he went down on top of him and I was thinking to myself, like, okay, I had like a half a second to decide because the lift doesn't stop. Like it just keeps on going. And so I like started going off of it, but then it turned and started going down the mountain again. And there was like the huge drop off. So I had to like hang on to the ski lift for dear life, going back down this massive mountain. And everybody was coming out the other side was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> I want to be off here. Um, but I love skiing. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I'm not so sure about the professional snowboarder part there. Because I know I'd be the yeah, one that yeah. would fall. Because like, yeah, I, I don't. I... <laughs> yeah, it seemed a little bit suspicious. <laughs> suspicious yeah. after that landing. <laughs> He's probably just trying to impress you. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> So, but so what do you have coming up for 2022? I know you said you have some tour dates going out, but you have some big plans for 2022? Yes, um, I've been in the studio recording my next single and it will come out probably in mid-March of 2022. I'm really excited about it. Um, it's in the same genre, sort of same country Americana, but it's a completely different vibe than my other songs I've put out. And so it's a little bit more serious, um, but still has that like wordplay in it. Um, So I'm excited for people to hear it. So stay tuned, March 2022. And then um, COVID permitting, I'm hoping to get back out there and tour a lot more um, in the upcoming year. Wonderful. So make sure you all go follow Rachel's socials. So that way, you know, when the song comes out, you can then pre-save it when she's ready to release it and then 
you'll all be set up and you won't have to worry. You'll be right there when it comes out. Mm-hmm, absolutely. At Rachel McIntyre Smith. Exactly. And I know I'll be there because frankly, I love your wordplays. That's the one thing I'm like, I'm listening to this and I'm like, these are really good. Like they are much different than a lot of things I've heard lately. And in the industry itself, I'm like, this is really good. So I am a fan, a huge well, fan you. of your writing, just so you know. Thank you. Yeah. I think of myself as like a writer first. Um, because like I said, my mom is an English teacher and a writer. And so if I tell, if I sing her a song and she doesn't think the lyric is like up to snuff, she'll tell me straight up, like, this isn't your best work. Um, (laughs) so she's a tough critic. So if if it passes my mom, then I know that it's good enough to perform out. (laughs) Oh, that's great. You have the toughest and probably your, your biggest fan as well. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Oh, well, it's been a pleasure having you. And thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. I love this podcast and I love what you're doing to promote women in the industry. So thank you for having me on. And thank you for joining me. So I hope everyone has a wonderful day. And thank you all for joining us for another episode of Crazy Women Country. Have a great day. If you enjoyed today's episode of Crazy Women Country, don't forget to give us a thumbs up. Be sure to click the subscribe button for new interviews weekly. And thank you, friends, for joining us today on Crazy Women Country, where women's voices matter.